The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Well, hello, Refuge Church. It is wonderful to be with you virtually and some of you physically. Uh, We had such a sweet taste of church yesterday at Vern and Jackie's wedding. There was um, probably about 50 people from the Refuge Church there, and I didn't realize even while we were in the midst of that, partly because I was was officiating, so there were some things to do, but as I was driving home, it just felt so good. I felt so full being with uh, a ton of people that I I love and are my brothers and sisters in Christ. So um, I wish we were here today together. I wish we uh, could have had the parking lot gathering like we were planning. We made a last minute call uh, last week. It was actually Saturday night where I texted Blaine and said, hey, I just don't think it's wise to get together on the 26th. And the reason for that is <clears throat> we do know that there are uh, more and more cases of COVID in our, in our county. And uh, part of my role as an elder overseer of the church is making sure uh, those that are gathering that I'm, I'm helping to lead are safe. And so <clears throat> this is a time I think that we're uniquely called to... Um, to practice personal disciplines of following Jesus. And while we gather together on Sundays, all together like we've been doing for so many years, it's, it's almost easy to just live a community faith and, and to feel like coming on Sundays is a box we check and it's enough. And then we come to these times where, where all of a sudden it's very personal. It, it's kind of like it's us and Jesus. <laughs> and... Uh, and then we are left to ask what remains. What is our faith made up of? And, and that has been profoundly challenging, I think, for a lot of us. <clears throat> On many levels, obviously, financially, as we all struggle to evaluate now and in the future what our finances will look like relationally, how deep have our relationships been, and will those endure? If there aren't relationships I've invested in, will they be there after the pandemic, right? I mean, these are... These are hard questions we ask, but then even our faith. I was reading an article this last week that just said there's been a dramatic decrease, not increase, in personal disciplines of faith, like reading our Bible and praying, that people aren't doing more of this even though they, they maybe have a little more time on their hands. We're actually doing less of this. And I think some of that is that we don't feel compelled and carried along by our community of faith as much, and we are now face-to-face in a very personal way with God. And that can be a scary thing. So, um, again, my role as an elder among the other elders and a pastor of this church, excuse me, is to think through how we equip and prepare you for that. That really is the role of the church and its leadership is the equipping of the saints. And so, um, as we've talked as elders we see that Sunday morning is really the primary time that we are being discipled together. And we want to lean into that intentionally. 
Um, <clears throat> and so as Blaine mentioned earlier, and I'm going to walk everyone through what it's going to look a little different uh, in what it's going to look like in looking different in the upcoming weeks and, and maybe for the forever of our church. And um, when we started, you know, we're about as non-denominational of a church as you, you can find, which simply means we don't have these like long-rooted traditions. You know, we started as a refuge church, as a little house church about this size, uh, with those that are gathered here this morning, um, just meeting in a circle, uh, opening our Bibles and talking about Jesus. And there's so much life on life that happens, discipleship happens pretty naturally in that conversation. Then as you, as you grow, the question of how do we um, model for one another practices that, that lead us um, towards a rich faith. And, um, and I use that word practice intentionally because I want you to think of, uh, of a sport you've played. Say you've played softball or baseball. And, you know, you don't just show up and be awesome. Like, that's what we wish happened. Like, you show up and you're like, home run, you know, home run, you know. And, like, after, you know, at one game, people are like, you are natural. And we want our faith to be like that. We, we literally want to show up and be awesome followers of Jesus. It doesn't work like that. Jesus has, has uh, told us ways to follow him. When he said, come follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men, he gave them patterns to follow, and he, he showed them with his life and with his teaching. And so uh, we want to do that. We want, when people tune in on a Sunday, them to really get the essence of our faith and how to practice it. So um, this is what Sunday mornings will look like. It's going to start with just a really brief meditation on the worshipfulness of God, God and his glory and his holiness. And then we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Um, the reason for that is, <clears throat> I think if, if you're new to church, you think, wow, all these people are pro-prayers. I could never do that. And that's not at all what prayer is meant to be. Jesus says, you know, when you, when you pray, it doesn't need to be complex like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He goes, make it simple. And he goes, so he, he gave us a pattern to follow. And it's not a mantra. It's meaningful. And we can use it as a pattern to follow. So I want anyone tuning in who's new to the faith or, or even old in the faith to know that when they don't have the words, they can come back to the words of Jesus, the, the um, Lord's Prayer. And so we're going to start every time with that. And then a moment of silence just that we can kind of prepare our hearts for worshiping God and for approaching him. Uh, we will sing like we usually do. We'll have scripture readings that go along with the theme of what we're preaching on that week. Um, weekly doing a prayer of confession. Now, for a lot of time, for a long time, we did what we called the pastoral prayer. And it really is going to be that. It's going to be a prayer from the heart of the church, uh, for the church, for our city, state, county, nation, world, just what's going on. Um, there's models for this all throughout scripture, all the way from Daniel in the book of Daniel, who said, Lord, we have sinned. <laughs> you know, even Daniel, who was so holy and prayed so often, he, he included himself in that. God, we are a people that have sinned. <clears throat> um, you know, as we get into the, the New Testament and we see the ministry of Jesus who prayed for the people and in their, their hurt, uh, we see all the disciples and then those who wrote the epistles. 
um, you know, this, this prayer for the people. And we know, uh, reading in the Old Testament, that those who come to God humbly seeking his face, he's going to listen to, and he's going to respond. And so weekly offering up a, a, a prayer of confession that um, sometimes will be elders that write and share that. Other times it'll be just people in the church um, that do that. Following that will be a declaration of forgiveness, which is really important because though every week we have sins to repent of, and Jesus invites us to that, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, um, he also offers us forgiveness. We don't need to live in condemnation, but, but immediately get forgiveness of sins when we come. It says in the book of 1 John that, that he is faithful and just to forgive us who come to him you know, who come by faith in Jesus, God's going to forgive us. And that's such a good, so this offer of pardon that's in Jesus. Um, we're going to have the, the typical sermon. Um, the only other really unique thing is at the end of every uh, Sunday, we're going to be reciting the Apostles' Creed together. And now for some of you, this is kind of scary. You're like, this is getting really traditional. Um, I think, honestly, we're just like lazy sometimes, you know? And that's not, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, like, we, we think everything needs to be new. And so we're like, or entertaining. And yet there's these things that are just always true that we just always need to remember, right? And, and I deeply want people who are, are tuning in for the first time or coming to church for the first time. This is, this is the important part. I don't want them leaving going, ah, there was some great stuff, but I'm not really sure what they think. You know, I'm not really sure what they believe. And that's why I really want us to just remember as a church, the Apostles' Creed every week, just so when people are leaving, there's no confusion over what we think, that we believe in the Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ is only begotten Son. Right? Like, this is, this is who we are at the end of the day. For all the things that we are, are saying and sharing, we are rooted in this forever truth that we find in the apostles creed so um i i really hope that this is for the enriching of our church um that you feel uh, discipled by the end of these and that we're having these rhythms as we follow we find ourselves growing rich and mature in faith sound good sound good good okay good um with that um let me pray for us, and then, and then we'll dive into our sermon today. Oh God, we, we love you, and we want to love you more. Um, God, we don't even know sometimes how to come to you because, man, there's just so much going on, and then... And then we feel this longing, this desire to be near you. And we thank you for your always present, ever-reaching invitation to us to come. And I pray that today uh, we will come again. We'll find ourselves resting in you, growing in you, enjoying you. God, being healed by your word. I pray that you'll fill our mind with happy thoughts, with your truth, 
Um, it'll, it'll so plan itself in our, in our minds that we'll just be thinking it throughout the week. We'll be thinking about the rest of our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We believe that the pursuit of joy does not lead us away from the places of pain. The pursuit of joy leads us along the way Jesus walked. To avoid the pain is to miss the way altogether. The way goes through the cross, but the cross is not the destination. In this sermon series, we invite you to rest your thoughts on and in Christ, who shows us the path beyond the cross that continues to eternal joy. We invite you to rest your mind in these happy thoughts. To rest your mind in these happy thoughts. Today, our thought is loveliness. Lovely thoughts. Have you ever felt heartsick before? This is that part in the romance movie that we love and hate, where there's that uncomfortable tension because it's so real. You know, with Mr. Darcy, who has looked so hard and unapproachable and even mean. And then he comes to Elizabeth Bennett in Pride and Prejudice, and he tries to say something, but he cannot say anything. He's just speechless. He is heartsick. And then eventually, obviously, it comes together at the very end. But these, these are these moments that we, we know that his mind is full of thoughts of love, but he doesn't know how to act on them. Um, this is replete throughout so much of stories we tell, right? Things that we love and we long for. It's repeated in the Song of Solomon. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one that my heart loves. I looked for him, but could not find him. Heart sickness, a heart and mind that is full of love. The kind of romantic longing, though, that we find in this heart sickness isn't the only kind of heart sickness or longing. It is one, but there's another kind of heart sickness that is also equally human. And it's really, this is really important, equally human, and I would even say equally humanizing, which is just the longing for one another in friendship relationships. And I think this is so important because um, in, in the church even, sometimes we can make marriage look like another level of spirituality um, and forget that Jesus was single, right? That's so important that Jesus had fullness and Jesus is the model human and Jesus was single. So, so I think it, this is really important because we can have this longing for one another and this longing that, that we see in Jesus in his relationship with the father just constantly going away man uh, you know even as a child he's like didn't you know I was going to be in my father's house and the disciples were looking for me he's like yeah I was on the mountain with my father and then Jesus with his disciples I, I think of that that um, statement he makes to the disciples when they would not wait with him in the garden of Gethsemane and he just says will you not wait with me right that that longing 
of companionship that is, is so human. And many of us feel even now as we're in this time of pandemic, a heart sickness and a longing for one another. This longing for one another, this love that we have and the memories that we've shared and wanting that reality to be present again is in part lovely thoughts. The mark of a Christian that Jesus uh, talks about in John 13 is this. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another, that you have lovely thoughts. (laughs) By this, people will know that you are a follower of Jesus, that you have lovely thoughts, that you love one another. We hear this in the words of Paul in Philippians earlier in in the book that we are reading. As he enters into his writing, he says this, and I've repeated this a lot to the church because Oftentimes, as as your pastor, I feel this. He says, I thank God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And it's it's like he's just so gushy, he has to justify himself. And he says, for it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And he wraps up this little introduction, this gushy, almost love letter he's writing to the church of Philippi. He says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. That is lovely thoughts. How I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So here's my question to you today. What are you loving? What are you thinking about? What are you loving? Do you have lovely thoughts? So <clears throat> as we get into um, our, our uh, context for, for how we think lovely thoughts, um, I want to dig a little bit into the word because this is a, actually a fascinating the word lovely here in, in the book of Philippians, this is the only time it's used in all of the Bible. Um, it is used by ancient writers like Sophocles and others, but it really lacks definition um, and meaning, I would say, in these ancient writers. It, it means things like exciting love or signifying something that is held dear. But even though something engages the affections, I think one of the things that we're most challenged by is just because something engages my affections doesn't mean it's good, right? That's actually one of the things we wrestle with the most is our hearts being engaged by bad things. In in the book of Proverbs, it says, guard your heart above all because from it flows the rest of your life. All of your life comes out of what engages your affections. So, so if lovely thoughts are, are thoughts that are engaging our affections, we really kind of desperately go, well, what does that mean? What, what should my affections be engaged by? Well, the word itself is built 
Uh, it's a, it's a, a word that is a compound word, meaning it combines two words, uh, pros and phileo, which simply means with or to and, and love of the familial sort of like a brotherly love. And so this word, don't worry, this is the technical part and then we'll get into the explanation. Um, it really is a relational love. And so when we have lovely thoughts, it's not talking about like a bird in the sky or like a nice piece of art or like a cool car that drives by that you're like thinking of enviously, right? It is relational thoughts. The best way to think about lovely thoughts is this. Think about your relationships. That's what it's asking you to do. (laughs) Think about your relationships. The whole goal of this sermon is to help you think about your relationships. This is the big idea. The Christian mind, which is the mind that is found in Christ, that's set on Christ, is full of love of and for God and others. It's a mind that is full of love for God and others. That is lovely thoughts. I say of and for because these are really the two ways I think we remember God and we remember others. We, we Thoughts of our man, these are the wonderful things that have been a part of our relationship. Um, I always tell people when I am um, on vacation, usually after a couple of days when I start resting, I start thinking of good memories of relationships. A lot of times it's like growing up where I think of, of my time in college and just beautiful friendships that I had and, and my mind rests in that. Now, now that's part of lovely thoughts. The other part is thinking for though, making action plans of the people that we're currently in relationship with, how we can love them well. That is such a lovely thought. So we're going to look at this in two ways. First is our, our relationship with God and then our relationship with other people. So in our relationship with God, actually, I'm just going to, we've, we've talked about a lot of thoughts. We're just going to breathe for a second, okay? Okay. Our relationship with God. Thoughts of our relationship with God. A.W. Tozer says this, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to your mind when you think about God? After studying this idea of lovely thoughts, I realized that the Psalms really could just be titled lovely thoughts. The Psalms are even the hard thoughts. Just because something is hard doesn't mean it's not lovely. Even when that soul in the Psalms is crying out to God, he's processing what the relationship looks like with God. Listen to these thoughts of God that you find in the Psalms. I will extol the Lord with all my heart and the counsel of the upright in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord They are uh, wondered by all who delight in him. Glory and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Going on, 
Uh, praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forever from the rising of the sun to the place it sets. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Another psalm. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. Going on. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. These are thoughts of God. This is what we're, is meant to come out of us when we start thinking about God. Not our wants list, needs list, to-do list. <laughs> you know what relationship sucks? A relationship where every time you talk to the person, they're like, hey, I need something from you. Hey, you know that thing I'm working on? Can you come and help with it? You know, like, is that what your prayer life looks like? Right? Lovely thoughts of God. Relationship with God is just enjoying who he is. This is what we see in, in Mary, the, this, the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. That's what came out of her in this, in this honestly very scary time where an angel comes and says to her, you're going to have a baby as a virgin. That's scary. And then she goes to her relative and she's having to talk through it the first time, right? And her soul just starts magnifying who God is, her thoughts of God. These are people whose thoughts are full of God. Now, now thoughts for God, what does this look like? Well, let me read to you Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Listen, in verse 10 of Psalm 84, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold for those who walk blamelessly with him. This person's like just anticipating this place of worship. Psalm 42 as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O oh God. These are thoughts for God, how we want him more than anything else. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom in his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And the perfect model of this we find in Jesus, who did exactly that. Sought the Father went after him, was for him. His thoughts just weren't of him and what God has done, but pursued the Father. It is amazing to watch how, I think this is the right word, how helpless of an existence Jesus lived. How helpless of an existence. From the very beginning, for very God of very God, to, to need to be like, comforted as a baby and cared for to being raised up and 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 his whole ministry just following the direction of the spirit and yet for so many of us instead of us following the the path of Jesus and our thoughts being for God and going now God the path I'm walking is your path we we sort of like right we make our own path and then just seek God's approval for it 
So what does it look like for our thoughts, lovely thoughts, to be of God? God, you've done such amazing things. And then to be for him, that we're seeking him, we're seeking his way. God, what would you have me do? Now, thoughts for others. What does this look like? Now, like we said earlier, the church is meant to be a people of love. A people of love. This means a people whose thoughts are for and of each other. I mean, I think of, um, man, there's so many things I miss about getting together. I miss seeing the the little ones come through the door and just like run because they just feel safe with everybody here. I miss sharing meals together, right? I, I miss softball games in the summer. All these things that we miss, these are lovely thoughts. And these are good things for you to think of. Maybe <clears throat> if you haven't been uh, at church even in a while before this, find that time where it was, was so sweet to you. That is a lovely thought. thought. Think of times sitting around a campfire and singing songs together or like yesterday going to a wedding together locate these thoughts and hold on to them these are lovely thoughts they are good and this is so important they're real guys we we fear so many boogeymen all the what ifs of what if they won't like me you're so loved right and you've had these sweet times. Hold on to those. Those are lovely thoughts. But they need to be accompanied by thoughts for other people. Oftentimes, we practice self-pity. Instead of seeing the treasure we've been given and then giving to others, thinking how we'll actively give to others, we think people need to keep reaching me. Now, thoughts for other people should be the nature, second nature, say, of the church. Um, the, the, the scripture's full of these one another statements, love one another, be devoted to one another, wash one another's feet. Yeah, do that, right? Serve one another, and the list goes on, one another, one another, one another. This is what we should be doing. Man, how am I going to make sure that this church stays strong through it? Not just what is my pastor going to do? What am I going to do? Who am I going to call? Who am I going to reach out to? Who do I think is feeling furthest away from other people in Jesus right now? And how am I going to reach out to them? Um, who is super good at these one another's is my wife. She is far better <clears throat> at this than I am. And, and her thoughts for others are uh, really amaze me. Before... Uh, she moved into my home after we got married. Um, I didn't really know anybody on my street, okay? I could make up a lot of excuses, but all they would be is excuses. And so she moves on, and she's like bringing people baked goods all the time. And, And there's some people that, you know, you have, all I need to say is like, we have that neighbor. And you're like, oh, that neighbor. You know, like we all have that neighbor. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, oh, that neighbor. And so yesterday she, she made some, she was reading this book about um, Ann Voskamp's Thousand Gifts. And she was like, Ann Voskamp's baking, I'm going to go bake. So she bakes like banana bread and muffins in like half an hour. I don't know how that's possible. But she gets done and she's like, I'm going to bring them to the neighbors. And of course, me, always thinking of myself, I'm like, just make sure you leave some. Um, <clears throat> and... <laughs> uh, 
because I'm also your neighbor. And, uh, and then I was like, well, you should bring him to that neighbor, you know? And she's like, maybe you should. And I was like, I just got my Tom's magazine and I need to read it. So, <laughs> so she brings them to that neighbor and she comes back and she's like, I'm so glad I did. They were so thankful. Another neighbor down the street, <clears throat> uh, we got chickens recently, four, our dog ate one, so we have three. Um, and you might think this is a tragedy and it ended up being like a, such a deep connection with another neighbor because another neighbor got some chickens and, and they have, like we have a dog and they have like a, a mouse that somehow shares the DNA with the dog. And, um, and so their chihuahua uh, bit the neck of their chicken. And, and so my dog, like, first bite, the chicken's gone, you know? The chihuahua bites the chicken, and the chicken's, like, like for half an hour figuring out if it is living or dying. But they call my wife down to their house, and they're like, you know what to do. They don't call me, you know? And so she goes down, and she just, like, sits with them, and they're grieving over this chicken. <laughs> She has such beautiful thoughts for others, and it transforms relationships. If you have thoughts for others, not just for yourself, it will transform your relationships with other people. It will transform this church. If you're not just thinking about what can I get, why are people not fill in the blank for me? If you're thinking lovely thoughts, you're thinking for others man, I know I can't spend time with this person because <clears throat> they're at risk, but I, you know what I can do? I can bring them flowers. I can call them. I can <clears throat> thoughts for other people are lovely thoughts. Guys, this is the way God thinks. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. The world was never forgotten by God. The world was thought of by God. And God's thoughts were such for the world that he would send his only son to the world. And God has still not forgotten the world. You are still on his mind and you are still in his heart and his thoughts are still for you. And there's neither height nor depth nor angel nor demon nor principality nor power. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. God's love is for you. That is the way God thinks. And so when we think lovely thoughts, we're just joining God. So why don't we do this? If this is the better way, if this is the good way, <clears throat> the question is, why don't we do this? And the simple answer, it's a no-brainer, is that we have substitute loves. We have other things we love. We don't love relationships, we love things. We love things. There is probably no better illustration of this than Gollum in Lord of the Rings. And as a pastor, I want you to know that I try not to quote Lord of the Rings. Okay, it's been, it's been overused material by too many pastors. Um, but Gollum, who was a plump and happy hobbit, as Schmeagol, I think he was a hobbit, something like that. But living, had relationships, but when that thing became all-important, 
was transformed, lived in the darkness, reclusive, alone. That is what happens to us when we love things over relationships, when we love idols over God. Do you even feel love anymore? Do you think love anymore? And if not, I I guarantee you it's because there's a thing, there is an idol that you started loving and you probably thought it was love, it was fun, it was cool, whatever. Um, But it has transformed you. It has hardened your heart. It has shadowed your mind. Um, I want to let you know there's freedom for that, but there's only freedom for that in coming back to relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others. There's a a prayer by A.W. Tozer that I want to read in the book Pursuit of God. And if you want your heart reignited in love for God, I really encourage this book, The Pursuit of God. When I was in high school, it in many ways showed me that we could love God. Just love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. Um, So, I just want to challenge you. What are your thoughts of and what are your thoughts for? Are your thoughts of God? Are your thoughts of others? Are your thoughts for God? Are your thoughts for others? Remember God. Just think of him. Delight in your thoughts of him. Delight in your thoughts of deep relationships you've had. And with that, I'm going to pray this prayer by, by Tozer, and then, uh, then we'll go into our benediction. This will be our closing prayer. Father, I want to know you, but my coward heart fears to give up its toys. I cannot part with them without inward bleeding, and I do not try to hide from you the terror of the parting. I come trembling, but I do come, Please root from my heart all those things which I have cherished so long and which have become a very part of my living self so that you may enter and dwell there in my heart without rival. Then shall you make the place of your feet glorious. Then shall my heart have no need of the sun to shine in it for you yourself will be the light of it and there will be no night there. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Refuge Church, we are so thankful and glad to have you here with us this morning or this afternoon or this evening, whenever you're watching this. And, uh, just having you as part of our family. We want to continue to invite you to join us in incarnating King Jesus in city life, speaking its languages, singing its rhythms, sharing its spaces, freeing the oppressed, fighting injustice, finding people of peace, inviting the city into the kingdom of God.